Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we have a very fun one in store for all of y'all today here on the show. Our guest this week is uh, someone who actually today is celebrating their 20-year wrestleversary, so to speak. One Mr. Terrence Greep, um, or as pro wrestling audiences in the Midwest and Minnesota may know him, uh, Tommy Spider Baby Saturday. Um, you know, someone who has been wrestling in the Twin Cities and throughout that area for the past 20 years and uh, really making a mark um, for the LGBTQ community and representation of it within that scene in that time, you know, kind of laying foundations for people like Devon Monroe and Russell Rogue and Free Range Kara and other LGBTQ people that are coming out of that Minnesota scene specifically. Um, and someone who honestly doesn't always get the recognition for his contribution to that. And this was a perfect time for that to happen. I, I've been i've communicated with terrence multiple times over the last few years you know and his his work doesn't just stay in the ring he's also a journalist he's written about um pro wrestling and other queer figures in in that area for lavender magazine he's been a freelance writer for dc comics um you know like the Basically, anything that Terrence is, has loved, he has been able to find a way to do in his life. Um, and, and that is a, I, I can tell you, that's something to admire and aspire to, honestly. <laughs> so, but I was really happy to have the chance to sit down with Terrence here um, and really talk about you know, his career as well as his retirement coming up next year. Um, because... Uh, basically, he's set this this next year as one where he wants to go gung ho and close out on a very strong note. Um, after twenty, I guess by the time he retires, twenty one years in the ring, and um, just very happy to be able to have him on before that time elapses. His time in the ring elapses. So, yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation. Before we get there. Um, I've been obviously dealing with some, some health stuff and, and various other things that have kept the show from, you know, kind of being at its regular pace, obviously, but, you know, we're smack dab in the QWI season now. Um, so I just wanted to touch on a few things that, that I may have missed in that time span because of my health stuff that I've been dealing with and also talk a bit about QWI things too because it's been real exciting over the last week y'all for for both i think um real quick i just want to highlight a, a few new champions that i haven't didn't get not get the chance to do so on the show for whatever reason or another um billy dixon winning the unchampionship down at uncanny attractions last month that was a really awesome thing to see congratulations uh to him even if he is being uh a giant dick in the process of doing such things. Still love you, Billy. Um, definitely a new era of Billy Dixon for sure. Um, 
Also, big congratulations to uh, Finesse for becoming one half of the TWE Tag Team Champions here recently, too. And then, of course, one that's very near and dear to me because it's it's a hometown thing now, I guess. It's still weird for me to call Portland hometown because I wasn't born here, but, you know, it's my it's my town now. But uh, Zay Perez and Spencer Scott, the Fleeman Aces, um, really awesome to see them capture the DOA Tag Team Champions, Zay becoming only the second LGBTQ person to hold um, those titles after Dave Turner did so last year. Just a really awesome moment and really cool to see them have that main event match with the Hammer Brothers. Um, that was a really powerful and emotional moment. And the I can say the same for Finesse's post-match there as well. You can see the emotion on both Finesse and Zay's face when, faces whenever you watch those matches back. And So congratulations to those three. I know there are more that have, that have won, but those three just really stuck out to me. and I needed to highlight them real quick here before we get into other things. Speaking of other things, though, let's talk about QWI stuff. Obviously, we announced last week the QWI 200 will be coming out on December 1st through the 7th. Um, I am uh, neck deep in that work right now. Let me tell you all, this is the hardest year. <laughs> this is the hardest year to narrow the list of 500 plus LGBTQ pro wrestlers down to 200. Um, and I am continuing that work, so we will have that ready to run on December 1st, starting on December 1st, and all that good stuff there. But the QWI Awards, we are still in the middle of the nominations right now. Nominations are open until November 16th at midnight Pacific time. Um, but let me tell you all, it's been one week since we opened those. We've already gotten hundreds of nomination ballots from all of y'all. Um, we are almost at the total for all of last year for nomination ballots, and we're only one week into this. It is amazing to see the response continue to grow for these things and to continue to see so many people letting their voices be heard when it comes to celebrating uh, all of the many, 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 many people within this community of pro wrestling. Um, I will always say, you know, you can vote multiple times. You can submit multiple ballots. Keep that coming in there. I would love to see us uh, eclipse the number from last year and just blow it out of the water. Um, but I am just excited to see the ex the excitement, honestly, from, from everybody else around this. And that's exactly what I, I wanted to do when I started doing these two years ago. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just really powerful to see the growth continue to be there and the engagement continue to be there too. So keep sending in your nominations. We still got time. It's it's what the ninth. You still got another week. Still got another week to get those in. So maybe we can uh maybe we can get from hundreds to thousands. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not gonna put numbers on things right now. It's just I'm I'm just excited to see what we're doing here. So of course, the ballot is up on the LGBT in the Ring uh, Twitter account uh, at LGBT Ring Pod, all that good stuff there. Um, so do that. Do it while you're listening to this show. Do it while you're listening to me talk to Terrence Scrape here, you know, or after. Either way, I don't know. There's plenty of time. Get the get those ballots in and stick around as we get into my conversation with Terrence Scrape. 
All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who has been doing his thing in and out of the ring for 20-plus years at this point. We are on his retirement tour of sorts. He's announced that he's retiring in 2024, and the honestly, it, that retirement will come after a very decorated career in the Midwest pro wrestling independent scene as well as his work as a journalist and a comics writer, which we are definitely not going to dodge in this interview at all. Um, please welcome uh, the man behind Tommy Spider Baby Saturday, Terrence Reap, to the show. How are you doing today, Terrence? Yabo, Brian Bell. Thank you for having me on. I listen as often as my not entirely conducive schedule allows. I hope that makes me a lovely. And if so, it definitely does. Yabo to all my other lovelies then. My fellow lovelies. Hello, everyone. (laughs) No, I understand how the schedule can go, especially considering that I have just the one job as a journalist. You have like the multiples that come together (laughs) that have like, you're like the proto gig economy shit that we now are living in at the moment, unfortunately, in some ways. So, um, (laughs) Innocent victim of the times. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, I do appreciate any time that you get the chance to listen, though. I'm I'm always grateful for, for people that do take the time to listen to the show. Obviously, it's, it's a labor of love for me. And I'm glad to have you on finally, because we, we've communicated a little bit over the last few years. Um, and and I've you know been reading your work in Lavender Magazine over the last few years um, and really kind of getting to know a bit more about your story. And you know, with the announcement of the retirement coming up next year, like it, I couldn't let you go off into like whatever is beyond wrestling for you at this point without having you on the show to chat about your career because you represent a a piece of this legacy that we are now seeing explode and thrive in the world of pro wrestling beyond just the United States. Obviously, like it's a worldwide thing at this point. Um. And and it would it's apt to have you want to talk about that in your twenty plus years in the ring. As a heel, I'm going to take full credit for all of it. <laughs> as well <laughs> as well, you should. I expected it. <laughs> Bless your heart. Thank you. Work that gimmick. Do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's it's your story is very interesting to me because like in doing research before chatting to you, like obviously like Out Magazine did a big piece on you. Um, whenever you initially stepped into the ring back in 2003 right but to my to my knowledge like wrestling stepping into the ring and actually like wrestling was never something that you had actually like thought about doing for like growing up or for the longest time like where did where does what place did like wrestling fandom have in in parents grief's mind like growing up oh boy that's that's a great question. It's, you know, I'll, I mean, it's it's actually kind of the secret origin of Spider Baby is a little on the heavy side, but we always keep it real here on the LGBT in the Ring po- uh, podcast. So I will, in the spirit of lovely, I will do that. Um, my parents got married very young, and as teenagers, I entered the picture two years later. My father was in the Navy at the time. Uh, when he got out of the Navy, I think he just regretted 
skiing, a very young man who was a parent and a husband. He, he wasn't ready, but there it was. And so he wasn't an entirely happy guy. And the one thing that seemed to make him happy, and I picked up on this as a three-year-old, four-year-old, was professional wrestling. And I fell in love with it simply because it was the one thing that my dad seemed um, to love in our in our existence, <laughs> our shared existence. So um, I, I'm absolutely sure I would have found wrestling on my own, though, because you know, the, the bigness, the largest, I, I, I fell in love with superhero comics around the same time, monster movies, and it's all aesthetically very similar, you know, larger than life, good versus evil, that kind of stuff. Um, so I was a fan from very young age. And then when I transitioned to pro came much later, I, my big dream was to work in comic books. I worked very hard and made that happen in the 1990s. And then um, around 2001, I realized, geez, I've done <clears throat> work for DC Comics, um, other national publishers, other, other national um, outfits, but I've never looked locally at, at writing opportunities here in the Twin Cities where I've lived for quite a long time. And um, I found a promotion, a wrestling promotion that was just starting up that was looking for a heel color commentator. And I thought, and, and this, uh, people who don't live by networking find this very strange. People who do always go, oh, yeah, oh, I see. So <laughs> whichever you are, bear with me, please. I'm just um, sitting here nodding my head. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, you, <laughs> they, they can't, but I do. Um, I thought, okay, so there's going to be TV production people there. Maybe I can get to know them, network with them, and find writing work in local Twin Cities television. So everyone thought that, or that, everyone, I thought that was a fine idea. Okay, so I pursued that and then um, commentated for about a year, posing in this, is this, and I created, that's when I started using the name that you kindly mentioned, Tommy the Spider Baby Saturday. Um, there's a story there too, which we can come back to if, if you're interested. But I um, worked as a commentator and just presented myself in this vague sort of way as someone who may or may not have wrestled. Because why would you listen to a color commentator if you hadn't? Other than, um, you know, he's entertaining, which I hopefully was. But eventually, I turned that into, I, I started writing promotionally for this promotion. <laughs> Two different meanings of the word <laughs> promotion there, excuse me. And um, they, I, I bartered wrestling training for a year's worth of that, um, that writing that for, for, for the training that they were doing. They were, this particular promotion, which doesn't exist anymore, would train people. They had a, a TV deal. And so they would get you on TV and it was all considered, and they did promo um, classes and things like that. I actually got very involved with that. And um, then you're a pro wrestler. It was appearing on local television. So 
and I should say it's cable access. I don't mean to <laughs> oversell. <laughs> Keep it real. <laughs> so I don't want to work. My I mean, work. <laughs> for that era, though, TV is TV. You know, like in that early two yeah. thousands era, like it's cable access. Yeah, you're. This is before the internet took off, and um, cable access is very underappreciated in that they rerun things a lot, and so you can get seen. It seems like a relatively small space, and it is, but there are a lot of people watching at different times, um, which is something a lot of people don't consider when they consider the numbers. But there we were. So I suggested the training, and the premise that I presented was simply, um, well, why don't we do this so that I can interview as a heel commentator? I'll interview babyface wrestlers, and they can you know, actually pick me up and body slam me and not break my neck or something if I know what I'm doing. And they said, yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's 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 go ahead and do that. Then <laughs> that summer, while this is going on, oh, and I was just, I had no talent for it whatsoever. I mean, some people, you look at someone like a Shelton Benjamin, um, a Chad Gable, uh, and I actually trained together um, in, in oh, 2000. Wow. Yeah, he, he and I are the, only, the last two in our class. We're still going at it. Now we think, okay, everybody stop thinking about it. Don't consider our careers beyond that. Just stop right there. We're the last two. <laughs> Look at all the zeros in his bank account and the decimal in mine. So, um, um, oh, uh, so I'm very involved in writing comic books at this point. I appeared at the big Comic-Con in San Diego that summer, 2001 and talked about how I was doing wrestling training and I was going to be learning how to wrestle. And the whole, and this is at a panel called Gaze in Comics, which I had been on before. Gaze as in gay professional people writing comics. Okay. So the whole room kind of, ooh. And this very lovely young man comes up to me after the panel. His name was Walt Meyer. And he said, I write for Out Magazine. Could I? pitch your story to out and i said sure yeah um let me check my schedule uh, uh gilligan's island rerun gilligan's island rerun yeah i think i think i can squeeze you in that sounds fine so he did that they were interested um and then he covered it in real time along with a local what what turned into my wrestling debut with november 9th 2003 um, in exotic Maple Grove, Minnesota. And uh, it turns out, so, so I, the, the way it was booked is that there's a particular wrestler who has a grudge against me because I'm always dogging him during commentary. Why don't you get in the ring? So I got in the ring, um, surprising everyone. I, I won that match. And the... <laughs> um, the booker said, well, why should anyone listen? Because I was sure I was going to lose. And the booker said, well, why should anyone listen to your commentary if you go in there and you get your ass kicked? And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll sign right off. Okay. And it turned out I had a talent for cheesing off large groups of drunken white people, which in 2003 was pro wrestling indie gold. Mm-hmm. So I continued commentating but i also started wrestling regularly um 
that promotion went the way of the dodo and i just kept wrestling after that Mm. a very a very strange way to get into wrestling but there is no non-strange way i I have definitely noticed that over like the 200 plus episodes of the show that everybody always has there are very unique ways that people end up getting into into this world so to speak (laughs) and i should mention too that i i did when i went to this promotion very nervously and i asked them about out Out magazine i said do you guys have a problem with with it being covered because at that time i was told that uh, there were 120,000 readers for out magazine as in this time you know the internet is CompuServe and a few message boards basically so that seemed like a lot of eyeballs checking out their product and i said you know we'll make sure and get your website in in that article um are you okay with that and all three of them you know and and i didn't i didn't present it as this will make a difference and i'm hoping that for 15 year old gay kids who are um going to hear about me read about me and and feel comforted and inspired and whatever else i just presented it as a business opportunity for them and they didn't surprising me not at all they said yeah please go ahead (laughs) (laughs) but but it it turned into a big deal um as far as the gay thing then then local tv got caught up with it there was a a magazine a punk magazine out of chicago i know i have i still have a copy of it um two copies of it in my this wood heap known as my storage space and i keep meaning to kind of dig through there but I'm going to need a machete and a pith helmet before I dare brave <laughs> this ungodly hill. But anyway, it was, it was just interesting. All the interest it generated, some of it very much surprised me uh, and some of it didn't. No, it's it it very interesting to kind of look at that era too. Like, obviously, like, I think, you know, it's, it's in the, for that era, it's smart in terms of like the promoters being like, oh, well, this just gets our name out there. That's fine. And like you kind of like pushing it that way and, and as well as the, the writer. And, and obviously it was a big deal whenever the article hit because like, you know, Out Magazine kind of recognized you as the first American, you know, out gay pro wrestler at that point. Um, and, and that's that is a very um, big badge to wear for yourself. I, I'm sure. Um but at the same time, like, obviously you didn't sell it to like, you know, the promoters that way, but internally were you thinking like, wow, this is, this is like a, a huge deal, like culturally and could have some impact in that way. I, I, I thought it could be, I hoped it would be, I, I will mention too, since you mentioned it, I'm glad you mentioned it, that I resisted and the writer, Walt Meyer, um, we both resisted using the term first for me. Mm-hmm. just because i knew like i knew pat patterson existed and it's like well okay is pat patterson at, in 2003 is he openly gay well no but everyone kind of knows i've never worked a day for wwe and i know um you know i i knew that if we threw that out there <clears throat> we would start having the wrong discussion with people quibbling like mm-hmm. hey he's not the jackie robinson of gay people or gay gay wrestlers or 
And I never wanted to have that conversation. It's just like, I am who I am and I'm open. I'm presenting this wrestler who is not exotic, who is not gorgeous, who's not um, gold. He's not uh, some kind of spooky, predatory, sexual uh, monster. He's, he's just this guy who goes home does, after he wrestles his match. Hopefully he wins. And when he goes home, he goes home to his, his husband instead of a wife. You know, that that's the only difference. Yeah. The presentation was based on on Bret Hart, actually. The mm. uh, just substituted webs and spiders for hearts and skulls, basically. But I it was really important to me, especially early on, that this character that I, I wanted to make that distinction that the person presenting this to an audience is openly gay and the gimmick is openly gay, but not in this offensive, stereotypical way. And if you're a 15 year old watching this, you're not doomed to grow up to um, present yourself in public wearing feather boas and 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 um, spritzers, you know, like like Gorgeous George or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and then and I just I had hoped. Um, that that it would find a younger audience and it 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 did to some extent very strangely like maybe six months ah, it was a lot longer than that it was a while into my wrestling uh career i got one like nice little letter from a kid in indonesia like i looked Hmm. him up it was a college age um young man who was inspired by my writing career. His English wasn't great, but better than my Indonesian. And so he, he approached me through Facebook. He asked me to be Facebook friends. Okay. And then over the course of like two weeks, I just got like two dozen <laughs> friend requests from handsome young men from Indonesia. And I'm like, wow, this is really <laughs> odd. But okay, <laughs> I'm just here to promote myself. I don't, I don't think we'll ever actually be friends with the, with the Facebook taken out. But all right, yeah, sure. The more the merrier. But it's, it, I, I, I asked the kid directly, why, why do you even know who I am? And I never got a response to that. That might be um, a language barrier issue or something like that. You, you throw that stuff out here and that, that is something I'd already learned as a writer. You just put it out in the universe and the universe decides what it means, if it means anything. And, um, you know, maybe you make a difference in people's lives. Maybe you don't. I, I was disappointed in the level of reach I had in, in regard to that. Um, but I, I've just always operated under the assumption that people at least somebody who needed to read about this character, this guy, this openly gay man who's portraying an openly gay wrestler, who's not a negative stereotype, got it, but wasn't able to contact me, which is just fine. Uh, but um, I ultimately, I, I was disappointed on the level of, of reach that I had. Well, I mean, it's interesting, like this idea of like, putting stuff out into the universe and like you know seeing what comes back or seeing what grows from it like yeah. 2003 like whenever you're entering the pro wrestling space and when that you know that article 
goes out there and, and kind of gives you that unwanted label of like, you know, the of first, you know, I think there's, there's two different things that, that I really chew on from like hearing you like talk about that. Like, it's like one um, is the idea of that resistance to being called the first, because like, I, I could totally understand that just from like an internal point of view of being like, you don't want to like, cause conversations that take away from the focus of what you're actually trying to do and what you're trying to represent to people. But it also speaks to like the incomplete like history that our community has to go off of in a lot of spaces based off of like historical prejudices and historical ostracization. I got the word out. Um, and, and that sort of thing. Maybe we'll, we'll take it. Out. I'm not sure it, it was the word. <laughs> ostracization oh there, there we go okay. there we go <laughs> I'm, I'm glad thank you like i'm always glad to be called out i will find i will correct myself but but not like this this idea of like you know for the longest time in pro wrestling like you mentioned it like gay people and lgbtq people as a whole were presented very much in like you know foppish stereotype um or as like this sexual predatory nature and even the like those characters like we a lot of people growing up in in those eras did kind of take hold of them in some ways despite the problematic aspects of them um but at the same time like you know with people like pat patterson not being like publicly out even though it's an open secret right um or you have like people like chris colt you know who wrestled back in like like the 60s through the 80s you know like people like him that you know it's still unknown necessarily like not fully known if he was like fully publicly out and that sort of thing um but also his career kind of gets lost to to the annals of history at times just because of you know where he wrestled and and his you know the unfortunate story of his life and that sort of thing like we don't have like these annals of like history that pro wrestling as a whole can point to like where you have all these historians you know that can point to like you know title matches that happened in like the 40s and then see how they impacted things going forward and that sort of thing we're still trying to dig into that like 100 year history in a lot of ways and pull out you know what really like what aspects of our community were present in those, you know, I mean, out in the ring, the, the documentary that I think is just about to premiere on Fuse, like that's the closest thing we've gotten to any kind of real historical record of LGBTQ identities presented like throughout the history of the pro wrestling space in a way. Do you feel like that complication um, kind of added to that resistance to being called the first in a way? Well, I, I looking at the history that you just cited, I, I, I actually wrote um, a chapter for a biography on Chris Colts, and the author unfortunately died before it was finished. Oh. But I, I mentioned in that chapter that I wrote <clears throat> that Chris Colts, was a big inspiration to me. I, I read about him in the book The Heels by Greg Oliver, which I'll bet I think is where he enjoyed where his re current renaissance <clears throat> currently um, 
or its current re resonance. Okay, now I'm doing it. This this is the universe punishing me <laughs> for being in front of you. Yeah, it's a <laughs> judgment-free zone. Thank you. <laughs> You're a better man than I. You're working babyface on, on the podcast. So, um, but he, his current popularity, put it that way, is um, started with that book. That was the first I had ever heard of him. And what I wrote was that he, that, that pro wrestling itself designed itself to be a closet not not in terms of gender but in terms of their insiders and their outsiders and if you're inside you're inside and you're not, and you're and you're kind of inside for life too much much like the mafia you're you're even when you retire you're still expected to keep the secrets and and present this in terms of obviously kayfabe is what i'm talking about as if it were a real sport and I think that's what present or uh, prevented a lot of um, history because pro wrestling itself said, no, we, you know, we don't want that. We don't want people asking questions. We don't want people, we're going to punish people who try to get too close. Um, and, and, you know, I, Chris Colt was openly gay to other pro wrestlers, but, but the outside world, he, he had to be this character. You were expected, as you well know, Brian, uh, if you're a heel, you were expected to act as heelish as you could um, without getting arrested in the outside world, you know, if, if you were recognized anyway. And baby faces were expected to be terrible human beings, but were expected to present themselves in this way because um, this is reality, right? What happens in the ring is real according to kayfabe which has always mystified me I've, I've always i've written about this and it's gotten a lot of response where i just think i, I actually spoke <laughs> to the pro wrestling studies association which is a bunch of um, college professors who study wrestling academically and they asked me to talk about kayfabe and i said i I've, I've seen there, there's a woody woodpecker cartoon goes back to like 1954 i think and it starts with the, the woody's uh has a tv his dog i don't know how a woodpecker owns a dog but a woodpecker did own a dog <laughs> dog breaks the, breaks the tv so he has to go to the actual arena to see the match he goes uh, buys a ticket goes to the front row and then uh, the bell sounds and the wrestlers go to woody who holds up two open pages labeled script and their eyes dart across it real quick. And then in, in back into the ring, they go to, to present this, this battle. And I think, okay, so who's kayfabe for? Who, who are you fooling? Cause Woody Woodpecker figured it out that this wasn't like a legitimate competition. Why, why did you put yourselves through all that? And, and the answer, there is an answer. It's a rhetorical question, but the answer is money, of course. And they just, they were convinced that if people knew it was predetermined, um, people would stop watching. So um, in terms of me being the first, yeah, I just, uh, I, it's such a vague issue, I, I guess. I, I'm just not comfortable saying that. Whenever anyone mentions it, I say, well, that's what Out Magazine says, and they're the ones who keep track of those things. So, okay. <laughs> <I'll go right laughs> <over>. Yeah. <laughs> But but it's 
like I said, there, there, and there's always seems to be someone who's going to come out of the woodwork and say, well, what about this guy who did this thing this time that no one ever heard of? And I think, well, okay, if you want him to be the first, that's fine by me. Um, let's talk about how, how the power of pro wrestling and, and how it can bring people together, whether gay, straight, or whatever, and, and how it present, you know, how people relate to it. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that struck me. I was actually interviewing another guy for, for Lavender Magazine, and we had a brief he's a fashion designer and we, we talked a little bit about pro wrestling the fact that you're presenting the, the, the two fields are not uh, completely unrelated put it that way and yeah. and uh, so you're you're um the, to me the, it was always about the personalities that was always more interesting to me than the actual wrestling part um I'm digressing, but the point is, <laughs> I I don't want to say I'm first because other people will argue with me, and I just don't want to have that argument. That's the simple answer to your question. Sorry to digress. Yeah. No, no, no. You're you're totally fine. It's interesting, like that. You know, I'll, I had like a, a second point that I would definitely get to in just a second, but like something you just said kind of struck me is like, you know, for you, it was much more about the personalities, yes, than than anything else. Like, and that kind of plays into how spider baby has been portrayed over, over the, the last like 20 years you know you've never really deviated too much if at all from this heel persona that you have like you revel in finding new ways to cheat um and and putting those things into your into your matches um and that sort of thing like it feels like the personality of spider baby is like the thing that is most heavily invested into it by yourself in a way. Am I off base? No. Um, I I would say there have been three major presentations over the 20 years. And I've, I've tried to keep it fresh. The first first one was the one I just described. It's just this totally butch, as much as butch as I could be butch, <laughs> non-stereotypical guy. And after a few months, uh, these the, the fans just would, they just saw gold dust. They just saw um, uh, Gorgeous George, Exotic Adrian. They, that, that's who they saw, even though I was very pointedly, designedly not presenting that. So I thought, okay, you want to, you want, if I'm the gay wrestler, <clears throat> I'll show you what the gay wrestler looks like. And then I did start doing like Cleopatra headdresses and, and wraparound sunglasses and feather boas. And then presenting this much more kind of gothic um, character. So I always used to tell people here in the Twin Cities, of course, Jesse Ventura is a very, very famous wrestler who became governor for four years. Um, so he's you know, one of the best known personalities. So I would say it's, it's gothic Jesse Ventura, but with no muscles. That's my presentation. And of course, the truth is, it was gothic superstar Billy Graham with no muscles. But I wouldn't expect <laughs> anyone, <laughs> yep. listeners, to my fellow lovelies, to understand that reference. So um, after a while, that character had a nervous breakdown and then turned into this the current version, which is just this very self-important guy who who he looks in the mirror and he sees Undertaker 2.0. 
but he lacks Undertaker's size and skill and talent and everything else. And he goes in there all dolled up. And, and I, I, I've div- dived much more into the gothic stuff. And, um, you, you know, I just go in there thinking I'm just going to scare the heck out of the people. And I look ridiculous. And I always, I'm always half afraid that my, my fellow workers are under, don't understand the irony that I'm trying to present that they think I'm buying my own gimmick. And it's like, no, 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 I, I get how silly I look. But in I go, and you're right, that consistent thread that, that connects all three of those versions is, is the cheating. And it took me a couple of years to figure out that ultimately that's what really gets the audience going. And um, it, it particularly if you're presenting to a general audience, like at a carnival, their kids in the audience, they cannot stand watching someone get away with cheating. It drives them nuts. And they're, and, and I also learned you got to be careful not to go to that well too often or people start getting mad at the referee and they forget all about that. They just accept, okay, this is what this bad guy does. He cheats. Why is this referee not catching him? And then the ref gets the heat. It's like, well, that's not going to do anyone any good. So um, now it's gotten to the point and there, there was a baby face run for spider baby in the middle there. And in fact, that's right before the goth of the current version. Mm-hmm. And, and it was more, I, I flatter myself with this uh, comparison, but it was kind of Eddie Guerrero-esque. Again, I, I absolutely do not have his ability, but um, I would recruit the audience. Um, those who are not familiar with me, I, I have a shaved head, as, as The Rock has said. It's a choice and it's a good one. And so in, in a match, when I, as a baby face cheater, I would lock up, um, grab a, the heel by the hair and pull him back to the corner. And he would complain, he pulled my hair. And I would look to the front row. Did I pull his hair? And they would, no, no way, no way. Then we'd lock up a second time and he would ball me into the corner and the ref would break us up. And then I would say, to the ref hey he pulled my hair and of course i, I don't have any it's, it's a shaved head <laughs> and so the heel would blow up what are you talking about and then i would look to the front row and i would say did he pull my hair in the front row and say yes he absolutely did and the referee would start yelling at the heel about this thing that couldn't have possibly happened <laughs> even so as a baby face it was still all about cheating right mm-hmm. and that um it's one of the lessons I try to impress upon the, the youngest talent who's part of the scene is that the, doing the super athletic stuff, you know, the, the backflips that Jim Cornette loves complaining about, it, there's a law of diminishing returns there. And once, once people see them, the second backflip and then the third and the fourth, it's like, okay. But if you connect to them on an emotional level and you, you see, oh, the, the, the one, my favorite one is, um, the, it's, I call it the wandering gimmick. I've seen Jerry Lawler do it. I've seen Bobby Heenan do it, where you just reach into your trunks. And then in Lawler's case, he would just make a fist and pretend that he had a gimmick, you know, some, something in his fist, presumably that's making his punches harder. And he'd pop, his guy, pop the guy in the chin and then ref would look and the audience would say, hey, he's cheating, he's cheating. 
and then Lawler would uh, you know, put it in his boot. Keenan was particularly good at this. And then, so so that it's in his trunk, say the, the, the fans. And um, now the ref looks in the trunks, but no, 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 it's in his boot. And it, it's a good way to recruit the audience into <laughs> the match, to make them participants. Um, and zero bumps involved there, kids. And, and mm. I, I hear myself say that, and I know how that sounds to young ears, where they're like, yeah, that's you, Gramps. Um, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm tougher than you. I don't know. But it's like, oh, if you want to be around 21 years from now, you probably want to uh, moderate those bumps a little bit. Plan them out. Space. Yeah. Put it that way. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. Every single dollar that is... Uh, pledge there to support the show is very very humbling and we thank you we also have a, a merch store over on brainbuster tees go to brainbustertees.com and search lgbt in the ring uh you got t-shirts tank tops all kinds of good stuff and you know always looking at some new things as well but uh, definitely check us out on brainbuster tees there as well you can follow the show on social media as well we're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT Ring Pod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTV LGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. 
um, just run through the the week's gaming news, or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. And I feel I feel like, you know, a good healthy mix of all those things, you know, is is always a good thing to have in in your repertoire, obviously, right? Because that way you can like, you know, limit the toll on your body, but also find new ways as your like style evolves and that sort of thing. Yes. Find new ways yeah. to incorporate that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I still will go to the top rope and I'll just do like a cross body block, which two generations ago as a finisher, God bless Ricky the Dragon. Um, and that's designed specifically for young talent so that they can go to the top rope and do something far more impressive, you know. Um, I've been other times, there was one match where I had a really big opponent and I was just working his leg. I was trying to get a submission out of him. And so cross body block after you've been torturing a guy's leg actually makes some some sense in terms of, wrestling logic if there is such a thing so yeah I, I i don't mean to sound um like that's the only cheating or, or um <laughs> cheating in the kayfabe sense in the non-kayfabe sense i i don't mean to imply that that's the only way to do it because yeah it's for the cheating to mean anything it has to contrast with something and absolutely i i and i i totally admire the athleticism and, and don't diminish for a second of the, the young talent, um, not just here in the Twin Cities area, but all around. You see a lot of this in AEW where just the amazing athletic things that people like Commander and <clears throat> so many others can do. And I just go, wow, why why does gravity not affect you? And where, where do I sign up? <laughs> Yo, I feel you, especially watching some of the talents that have come out of like the area that you're in too. And this, and this kind of goes back to the second point I was going to make, you know, when we were talking about the, the out magazine yes. article in that, you know, we've seen a lot of, especially in recent years, we've seen a lot of like really amazing athletic talent kind of come out of that area. You know, whether you look at like, you know, Darius uh, Martin or, um, God, his name has escaped me at the moment, but his tag team partner, um, Dante, Dante, Don, thank you, Dante, Darius, and Dante Martin, obviously in AEW, just been doing amazing things. You know, whenever they aren't on the shelf, which Dante, hopefully, speedy recovery here, here, here. But yeah, yeah. That, that's to the point, right? That's part of they call those moves high risk maneuvers for a reason. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I know Darius, and I love him dearly. And and Dante, it's, Dante's the younger one. Yeah, uh, they wrestled under masks, hoods. But when they started off here in the Twin Cities, Airwolf. Yeah, uh, I could never get the, the other. Uh, it's like Angel something. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I just called him Angel Face because <laughs> <laughs> too lazy to learn the Spanish. <laughs> and I told him once, and I 
I hope I said I hope I don't mean this in a gay way, but you're both really handsome. Why are you covering up your faces? <laughs> your literal baby faces. What are you doing? I remember the first time I saw Airwolf like take his mask off in a match, and I was just like, okay, yeah. Why are you under a Why are you under a mask? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and that, it, they they just thought their stuff looks very luchador. Was mm-hmm. I, I, and that I makes sense. Remember. They they yeah, they do have a spirit there. That's another thing that's interesting too when looking at some of the people like because I think probably in like the LGBTQ circles and definitely beyond, but specifically in the LGBTQ circles, probably the most well-known talent out of that area right now is Devon Monroe. And Devon has that lucha aspect to his his work as well. Um, but he's also done a lot to build out a lot of like character and a lot of personality and a lot of like presentation in, in his looks and, and that sort of thing as well. And I know that you've, you've written about Devon in the past for Lavender Magazine, as well as Russell Rogue, another really great talent out of the area. Um, who has since like moved out of the twin cities, but Quitter. when I think he's in Pittsburgh now, actually. <laughs> or they are yeah. He, He's in uh, Los Angeles now. He just, oh, he just okay. moved again. Oh, nice. Um, so, stalkers beware. Up, update your phone, <laughs> stalkers. <laughs> but You're in, welcome, in, like, your, <laughs> in your coverage of Devon, though, like I'm assuming you had shared locker rooms with Devon previous to that, just, you know, working the area and that sort of thing. But that might be a bad assumption on my part, but when, when you interviewed Devon and, and speaking to Devon, like, did you start to get kind of a semblance of like, you know, because you mentioned before, like whenever you did the Out Magazine article that you didn't feel like you it got the reach that you thought it would. Whenever you start seeing other like out LGBTQ people that are coming up in the same scene that you're coming up in now, um, do, do you start to kind of that thought start to kind of like change in a way when you're like speaking to Devon and Russell it's seeing people like free range Kara up at first as well. Yeah. It's, it's, I've, I've asked, I asked Russell, did you, did you even know who I was? Did it matter at all? And, and he answered yes. I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> um, the, I've only written about Russell that Devon was in a photo with Russell in, in the article that, that you're referencing. Okay. Um, My bad. But, yeah, but no, it's okay. But uh, it's perfectly understandable. But Devon, yeah, he's he's a great talent, and just just a, he 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 just seems to get it in a way where it's like he plays up the gay stuff, but in, in an ironic sort of way, in a psychological like I'm gonna get inside my opponent's head sort of way, and, and he's a genuinely tough young man, um, and and he gets wrestling too. I mean, he he gets that it, the marketing end of it, uh, how to present yourself before during and after a match and and he's he's super duper smart all the way around um and i i, I mean we, we've we've spoken a handful of times we haven't shared the, the the scene in the twin cities is very very clicky and we're in different clicks just because he was trained like so many of the young talent uh currently by uh They've trained in the academy, which is presided over by Mr. Kennedy. Mr. You know the rest. 
But Ken Anderson, who, who wrestled as Mr. Kennedy in WWE and Mr. Uh, Anderson, TNA and other places. And those kids are just as tight as uh, thieves. And they, the, the promoters, I think, <laughs> just love being one degree removed from Mr. Kennedy. And so they just mm. hire all these kids. And they're terrific, too. I don't mean to diminish them in any, any way. Um, so Devon and I have our paths have not crossed over much, but I, I did ask him just flat out recently last summer. Um, you know who I am, you know what I've done, right? And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, um, but uh he's definitely beating his own path. He doesn't need any help from me or for anyone else. I uh, I was worried, frankly, about when when Russell moved because he and Devon had so many good matches russell would often work as a heel and devon's style is just so um flamboyant and so acrobatic and athletic that yeah basically has to be a baby face and um um i was worried like that you're gonna find other good opponents aren't you and he absolutely did He, he he doesn't depend on anyone for anything so whenever like you have people like Devon and Russell like you know tell you that they know who you are they know what you represent for the community in the pro wrestling space and like you know and how long you've been doing it for 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 the community in that way like well how does that make you feel does that make you like reassess your like place in in like the pro wrestling space or like your like history in it um no my my terrible self-esteem will just always land me in the same place <laughs> <laughs> this is why i work heel <laughs> because that's how i feel on the inside no um it's it's yeah it was a relief when i, I asked russell because um he was going through i don't think he'd mind me mentioning it. it's just a little bit of a rough patch in terms of wrestling and I, I tried to impress upon him because uh, he, he and I are did share locker rooms more often than Devon and I did or have I, I, I guess I'm not dead yet but um, it um, I guess I, I still just doesn't feel like enough to me I, I i i was telling russell you know you can always contact me and you know if anyone's going to understand your problems it'll it'll be me and and he never did because he didn't need to but um he's um i don't know i i guess in the last year a lot of people have, have commented on it now that you mention it um about oh i was at this match and i saw you and, and i say people i mean fans i mean um other non-gay young wrestlers who did who have said oh you know you you um they got the they got the message uh early on what i would say as spider baby is it's okay to be boo me for what i do it's not okay to boo me for who i am and i was surprised that some young fans who were young then were wrestlers now would repeat that back to me and i thought oh good okay 
So it, it, it just goes back to that notion where I just decided on myself, on my own, okay, I'm sending this out into the universe and I'm just going to assume it's helping people. If they can't contact me, I won't take that to heart because when people do start giving me compliments, then I get very Buddhist, you know, where I'm like, oh, 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 this, I, 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 I'm going to be tempted by this. I'm going to be, this feels too good, right? And I, so I just, <laughs> then I might be doing this for the wrong reason. I, I don't want to be doing it to be gratified by hearing what other people have to say. So I'm, I'm damned if I do it, I'm damned if I don't. But I do, I, I do want there to have been done good. And I do think that that was achieved. It's just, it's coming back to me in dribs and drabs. And it doesn't have to come back to me at all. Nobody owes me that. I was happy to do it. I was able to do it. And if it helped, great. And if it didn't, that's great. I was actually surprised and a little disappointed how little negative feedback I got early on, too. I should... <laughs> I like, Aren't you bigots paying attention? Come on. <laughs> that's I mean, I can understand the surprise there, you know, just, you know, considering how, you know, LGBTQ people have been portrayed and have been how audience had been audiences had been coached to treat them just based off of, you know, past representations in in the pro wrestling world. You know, I can understand that surprise. Um, Was it like. Was it like a, a like a good surprise for you or were you just like, no, I want that. I want the heat in a way. No, I didn't, I didn't want the heat. It was, it was okay. a good surprise. <laughs> okay, good. I, the, the only criticisms I really heard, too, and, and I, I would argue this. I go around and around on this one, but I'll share it here. I have, again, for, for my magazine writing, I've interviewed uh, Sarah Tuala, who was the third NFL player to come out two years after he retired. And I, I think I don't want to be a – star effort but I, I consider him a friend i think he considers me a friend and uh david cope who's the first nfl player to come out he he played in 1965 to 1975 and then in 1977 came out and it was a very scandalous thing in 1977 as you might guess and he was much more of a, a pariah but what both of them mentioned cope in particular the, the, the negative feedback that they got back was, look, I, I'm, I just want to forget the real world for three hours. I just want players to be players. You know, I don't want to know anything about them. Uh, just let me have this, this three hours of non real world stuff, which to that extent is legit. But then it's like, okay, but welcome to our world where your world, your, <laughs> your stuff is, being jammed in our eyeballs and ear holes all the time and we don't have any choice in it so um welcome to <laughs> one little fragment of our existence and and that's where i ended up landing but it was um it was interesting that they both reported that and what little negative feedback i got was along that same stripe of i don't want to think about gay people and i'm like well guess what they're already here and 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 you know i mean 
you see footage of gorgeous George, are you telling me you're not meant to be thinking in the most negative way possible? <laughs> yeah. Hey, people? Exactly. It's one of those situations where it's like too bad. Like, you know, we, we deserve space too. And, and, and especially like speaking to like the NFL, not to go off on too much of a, a diatribe for just a second. Like, like I, you know, I want, I am begrudgingly still a football fan that there are still many aspects of both the NFL and football that really get to me. And, and that's beside the point. That's just my own be saying that, like, I still am a big football fan and like, the thing I've noticed, especially this year, is pretty much every NFL broadcast and any NFL like thing, they are talking about the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey relationship, right? <laughs> sure. And so, like, but here's the thing: like, if they, if the people that are were like criticizing Copay and and and, and criticizing Sarah, you know, two people who are very very vital to our, especially mission and out sports, you know, right. like we've covered them extensively. Um, if people are out there saying, well, we don't want to know about the personal lives. We just want to see the player, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I mean, look at what's taking over like NFL broadcasts this year. And are you going to make the same complaint about that? Or are you just going to talk about like how hot Taylor Swift is or like, you know, how lucky of a man Travis Kelsey is, blah, blah, blah. Like, like we deserve to have that same space too. If if we're gonna be talking about it that way, so those criticisms ring completely hollow in my here, mind. Here. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. It's almost as if people were being hypocrites or something. Oh, God forbid! Can you imagine <laughs> such a thing? It's, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll even further digress. I'll, I'll I'll raise your digression. Okay. This one's kind of funny. I think um, I I interviewed Billy. Bean, who I believe is the second Major League Baseball player come out. You probably have a better sense of this than I. And holy crap, is he a beautiful man, by the way. But <laughs> I interviewed him um, at uh, Target Field, the, the Twins, Minnesota Twins Stadium. And um, he, he is like, or a few years ago anyway, he was the vice president of diversity or some something like that for major league baseball but they had given him this high placed corporate position and he he mentioned um that players don't mind <laughs> professional athletes do not mind other professional athletes getting a lot of attention as long as it's um uh, game related you know are, are you're, you're you're the quarterback and you're scoring a lot of touchdowns great okay uh, and the reporters want to talk to you yeah that's fine here, he's right over here go ahead and talk to him that kind of thing but when it's their personal lives and he said he even said if it, if um one of the players is dating a rock star then the other players get really mad about it <laughs> and i was like oh <laughs> I, I take Billy Bean at his word, and it's like, if that's true, I wonder <laughs> the rest of the Chiefs must be like this steaming man. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough about him. <laughs> I'd be very curious to know. I was, I mean, I'm assuming like they won again today. So, like, as we're recording this, we're recording on a Sunday, like sure. the, the, the Chiefs won again today. So maybe winning soothes that for a while. But, like, you know, if they drop like one or two in a row, like, you know, maybe. Maybe there are some grumblings about, you know, Taylor Swift being up in the in the box 
with Patrick Mahomes' wife, you know, <laughs> like doing special handshakes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, she could be doing nothing wrong, and and they'd still say, "Well, she's a distraction." If they start losing, yep, yep, and that's exactly the same thing we saw with like you know the whole Michael Sam situation in the NFL draft a number of years back too. Like it seems like anything beyond that, you know, serves as as a distraction. Which you know, I honestly think more professional sports should look at the pro wrestling space and see like, you know, because we now have like so many people, you know, not just in terms of LGBTQ, but also like women and so many other like identities that have been marginalized within the pro wrestling space for the longest time thriving um, in it. Like, I think the idea of distraction, like those, like anything beyond just the norm or the game being a distraction is, completely moot at this point yeah it's it's i mean everything new is a distraction i'm sure jackie robinson's race was a distraction very much and then by the time we get to our second or third african-american player it's like okay who's going to win (laughs) (laughs) we get used to that stuff pretty quickly i think yeah it's all about the normalization of these things yeah you know and i think that also speaks to like you know, your your wrestling, I think for for like you spoke said to a number of people, in in your time, you know, have spoken to you about your impact and like you've had that stuff come back to you in a way, and that's that's really awesome to hear, you know, considering that you know as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like we're coming up on your 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 last run, your last dance, so to speak. Mm-hmm here in the pro wrestling space with your retirement coming up next year. Like, how are you feeling about, about retirement and how are you feeling about having this like last year or so to kind of ramp up to that moment? I'm, I'm ramp up is the right word. Um, I've the last couple of years, uh, ever since pandemic, not that there's any direct corollary, um, you know, my wrestling, I haven't been soliciting in the same way that I used to. And I've just kind of got uh, over the whole thing. And now that I've given myself a deadline, given myself a date, I thought, okay, this is your, your the, the last length and you know it. So get in there um, and just give it everything you got. I've actually been thinking about um, a kickboxer whom I just love from the 1980s. His name is Troy Dorsey fought out of Dallas, Texas. And whenever, I mean, every state has its own rules as far as boxing and kickboxing and all of these combat sports. But wherever he ended up, 10 minutes before the, the bell that would indicate the end, sorry for infringing on your gimmick there, Brian, the bell <laughs> uh, would sound and end the gimmick or end the round, there would be, you would hear this, this drum beat, this bump, bump, bump. And Troy Dorsey would go into berserker mode and just start kicking and punching and punching. Or actually, now that I think about it, he had converted from kickboxing. I had seen him. This is when he was just boxing, boxing. And um, he'd hear that bump, bump, bump. And then he would just throw this flurry of punches in the last 10 seconds. And it seemed to win him a lot of rounds. And I thought, and why not? Because the judges are seeing that. It's the last impression you make on them. So I thought, you know what? That, that's how I'm going to approach this, this final year. The, this 
as of this moment, we're just a few days away from my 20th anniversary. Roughly a year from now will be my final match. And I thought, I am just going to be Troy Dorsey for this year. I'm going to take every booking I can. I'm going to give everything I've got to every single match. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to be an idiot. <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not going to be strategic. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be a veteran. But um, I, I, it, knowing the end is coming, and, and I suppose being a writer figures into this too, um, the hardest part of writing, and you write a lot yourself, so you know this is true, is the ending. You know, how, how am I going to end this, this article? How am I going to end this story? So I thought I'm just going to make sure that the final impression that Spider-Baby leaves is one people will remember for a long, long time. That's my intention. I mean, that's always the hope. That's always the desire for, for crafting an ending, you know? And I think the yeah. writing metaphor is very, very apt. Because <laughs> That is always very challenging. And I don't want to be the guy who stayed too long either. That, that you know, you know a lot more about pro sports than I do. But, like, I remember as a Minnesota Twins fan, like Steve Carlton, who had been so great in the 1970s. But as the 70s turned into the 80s, uh, and he was a left-handed pitcher and terrific. But, oh, he, he lost it. And he wouldn't go away. Like, oh, we love you. Please stop. <laughs> I don't mean, no offense to him particularly, but I, I just don't want to be him. I don't want to leave on a down note. I want to leave on an up note. No, I can understand that too. You know, I think that's, I think that's how all athletes want to, want to leave their, their chosen medium and that sort of thing. And you know, I'm happy that, you know, you have like, you have this set time. You're getting to go out kind of on, on your own terms, which isn't always something that pro wrestling gives to people. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Like Rick Martel, I, I, this one always haunted me. He was, I think, only like 42 years old. And he had had some sort of leg injury, uh, took a year to rehab or something like that, and then came back. It was a WCW match. And immediately suffered another injury. Yeah, he that tore was, his ACL. Yeah, there it is. Yes, and and he just realized, okay, th this is it. I, I have to, <laughs> I have to leave now. And it wasn't under his his own terms. The, the, despite a stellar career, and I hope that the unhappy ending doesn't overshadow his terrificness. Um, otherwise, but as you say, sometimes the end <laughs> comes for you before you go to it. <laughs> well, knowing your, you know, obviously your work in in comics, how would you write the the ending for story for Spider Baby? Oh gosh, um, that's a great question. Um, probably you'd have like it'd be like having been raised Catholic, um, be like Saul going to torment the Jews and then having a Damascus moment taking all the religion out of it spider baby like oh what have I been doing all this time I'm I'm a dirty cheater I'm terrible <laughs> and right before <laughs> his final match he decides I love the rules I'm going to uphold the rules and the fans <laughs> all rally behind him 
and uh, cheer him into existence. In fact, they match doesn't even end. They just they just storm the ring like an ECW match, and they all pin his opponent for him. He's carried off on their shoulders, and um, and uh, he lives happily ever after. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I honestly I love it. I love it, and I hope that that final moment next year um, meets at least in some form the expectation <laughs> for you, Terrence. This has been a treat. I'm I'm so glad that we were able to to connect and and have you on the show this time around. We'll have to have you on again at some point next year. You know, whether it be like you know around the retirement or like you know post retirement or something like that. This has just been a really fun conversation. I'm, I'm I had a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you. Likewise. Oh, of course. Let everybody know where they can uh, where they can find you online and where they can check out your work. Yeah, uh, it's um, www.facebook.com slash thespiderbaby. Because I am a marketing genius, twitter.com slash thespiderbaby or whatever. I know last time you and I communicated privately, you were still struggling with the X thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, if I'm not writing about it, I just call it Twitter. If I'm writing about it, it's X, formerly known as Twitter. Oh, formerly known. That's the thing. Everyone refers to it that way. Yeah. I hope everyone will check out uh, Midwest All-Star Wrestling's YouTube channel. Obviously, you can just go to YouTube and search for that. It's too, it's too long to give out here. And my own YouTube channel is Planet Spider Baby. Awesome. Terrence, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you to you. Thanks for all the work that you do you've uh, as someone who presents all of this stuff I, I, it, it's easy to forget what you're doing and, and because you're always here to as we say in the business put put other people over but the fact that you're always in the room where that happens uh thank you very much for doing that for all these years well i as you mentioned earlier you get very buddhist when people compliment you i am the same way so i will just say thank you <laughs> and you're really handsome <laughs> and you have a really great bank account and 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 so now you're I'm, just lying i mean the devil in the desert yeah sorry <laughs> no, <you're fine. laughs> my thanks once again to terrence for taking the time to come on the show and talk about all of his various experiences in pro wrestling 20 years um that kind of longevity is is always amazing to see especially for someone that started um their career during an era of pro wrestling where you know the stigma and level of acceptance for lgbtq identities not just in pro wrestling but in culture really was at a completely different level and we've seen that evolution happen during that time and we've seen Terrence be part of that evolution as well. It's just really awesome to see and really awesome to get the chance to talk to people that have that experience, you know, within this within this bubble, so to speak, right? Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on Terrence. I'm, I'm sure that he's going to be popping up in plenty of sp spots over the next year or so. And I'm excited to see what this, uh, this retirement year has in store for him, honestly. For us, though, that's going to do it this week. Um, as always, you, if you want to support the show, you can do so over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. You can join the roster of lovelies 
over there um, at the $3 tier. You can get bonus shows at the $5 tier, um, like our required reading show. We still have our, we just had our um, episode, our spectacular episode talking about the Chamber of Horrors match and Dan Aykroyd's, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Honestly, film, <laughs> nothing but trouble. Um, Hollis and I are plugging away for, for this month as well. We'll have our episode of that there. Um, and of course, joining the roster of Velvies means you get shouted out as a member of such here on this show. You can join the likes of Jerry Legend, Alex E., and Val Capone as a member of the roster. And of course, uh, I understand financial commitments are not something that is feasible for everybody at all. So as always, word of mouth helps us out as well. Spread the word about LGBT in the ring. Rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you are on. Um, you know, anything to to help boost the signal and, and get our message and our um, our conversations out to a wider audience is always, always, always appreciated here on the show. We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, but until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. Still going to keep saying it just because you never know. Uh, I don't want that whole thing to blow up again at all. And let's all get ready for a big gay Thanksgiving on November 23rd. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. Everybody's ready to die. If they didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge, she made a deal with